0: Good morning. I know what you're thinking. Where is Pastor Ernest and who is this? Well, Pastor Ernest is with his family. They're visiting uh, his son in Bern and uh, having a a well-deserved opportunity to be together with them uh, as as a family this weekend. And uh, as for me, if you'll grant me uh, two or three minutes just to introduce myself, uh, I think that would be helpful uh, so that you know I'm not just another handsome face roaming around Main Street. Uh, uh, I have served as a pastor for 40 years, four years in seminary and 36 years serving in local churches. And I, I want to do full disclosure. I'll lay all my cards on the table. There are some things about me that you'll go, uh uh. But then there are some offsetting things that you go, ah, okay. So the first disclosure is, uh, I'm a United Methodist pastor. I'm a retired Methodist pastor after 40 years. Uh, but to offset that, I was baptized by immersion in a Baptist church in Harlem of New York City. This, amen. <laughs> this was back during the days when I was going to seminary. And... Um, uh, I had a new level of commitment to Jesus, and, and I was baptized gladly uh, there. And also, while I was at that uh, Black Baptist church, that's where I really learned how to preach. And so I have been known, uh, it's a habit that I don't want to break, but I couldn't if I wanted to, to when I'm emphasizing a point, uh, I, I will say, let the church say amen. And that that's kind of Baptist, isn't it? But you, you can either say amen or not as you please. Now... I want you to know that I am not a liberal United Methodist. I fought against those guys my whole career. I am thoroughly evangelical. And, uh, in fact, Brett asked me to read the Baptist faith and message statement. And uh, I agree wholeheartedly with, with everything that's in it. However, on the other hand, when Brett asked to, uh, could he tattoo it on my chest, I, I declined <laughs> that part. Uh, but I am committed. The second disclosure that, uh, uh, you won't like, uh, I, I spent my whole career in California. I, I I'm sorry. That, that is the truth. But I am a native Texan. I was born and raised in Fort Worth. And then, <laughs> and then I came, uh, in 1967 to 71, I was a student at Southwestern University right here in Georgetown. And lo, after all that time, uh, my wife and I have come back to live here in Georgetown. Now, we have two adult sons and uh, only one, but a, a very precious, adorable granddaughter. Uh, if you could put up that picture. There you go. And she's the sweetest, most adorable, wonderful granddaughter in the whole wide world. Well, except for your granddaughters and grandkids sons, uh, as well. So, Anyway, we we uh, have been I have been attending Main Street uh, since January, so I'm pretty much a newcomer, but I fast-tracked myself in terms of, in terms of plunging in and, and getting involved. Uh I, I'm part of the journey class and even have been asked to teach there. And and then I served in vacation Bible school, not only here, but also in Gerald. You know, that was double duty. And uh Daryl Smith and I, yes, we were kind of hamming it up. We were presenting Joseph. And and you can see Joseph on the poster has a great big Hollywood hunk smile, and we were doing our best to do that. And then uh, later I got into my role as uh, Joseph. Uh, I, I really enjoyed doing that. I was Joseph living the dream. Joseph, the dream? Never mind. Okay, well, my, my spirituality is matched only by my humility. And one, one further thing I learned... Um, uh, after the first service, uh, a number of people came rushing up to me and I thought they were going to congratulate me for that powerful message. No, they just wanted to read what I had written on the tie, my tie. And it, it's John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Anybody say amen? amen. Very good. There you go. Now, you would rightly ask me, what are your credentials, Don? Well, I I could bore you with a resume and some diplomas and stuff like that. But the only real credential I have is that Jesus loves me, and this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Yes, Jesus loves me. My life experience and the Word of God tell me so. So those are my credentials. Now, let's get down to the real thing. Let's get into the Word of God. If you'll put up the Scriptures, and I invite you to stand in respect for the Word of God. This is from Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the Word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof and Lord the, the paralytic through it. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Only who can forgive sins but God alone. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up, take up your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on heaven to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. May the Lord add his blessing to the hearing of his word. You may be seated. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord Jesus, would you send your Holy Spirit to dwell richly in our hearts and in our minds that we may hear you, not the speaker, but we may hear you in your word to heal and to make us whole. We welcome your presence in our midst and your spirit moving in our hearts. And in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Now, This passage is at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. And if you were strangers who'd never heard of this Jesus before, I mean, you're barely one chapter in. In fact, the last chapter, the chapters and verses were added later, but at the end of the first chapter, Jesus is healing a leper. The leper came to him, I'm sure you know the story, and he said, Master, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. Be clean. Then we get to chapter two, which is this story. Now, this encounter with the paralytic is all about Jesus, his identity, who he is. Which is what the hearers of Mark would be: what, who is this Jesus? What, what, what is it? Why are they reading me this this book? And so, Jesus is showing who he is, and it's also a passage that deals with his power and his authority. Now. What's the difference between power and authority? Well, an easy way to, to uh, understand it is, you know, a, a, a Texas highway patrolman has the authority to pull over somebody who's driving a, an 18-wheel big rig. You know, you pull over. However, if he's standing in the middle of the highway and here comes at 60 miles an hour a big rig, he doesn't have the authority to be able to stop that big rig. Um, at one time I was serving a church in San Diego, and, uh, there was a man there who was part of the Top Gun School, the real deal Top Gun School, and he was a member of my congregation. And no, it wasn't Tom Cruise, okay. But he was, he was there, and I said, you know, suppose Jeff was, was coming back from a bombing run in Yuma, Arizona, and and he came in and they're circling over the I-15 and he says, "Oh my goodness, the traffic is terrible there. It'll take me hours to get home." Suppose he had just taken his his master arm switch and just done a strafing run down the I-15. When I said that, uh, Jeff Blankenship was the guy, and and he fell out laughing because he knew he could do it. Click and he had the power, but he didn't have the authority to pull a stunt like that. And if he did, he would never fly again. Well, this passage is going to show us that Jesus has both the authority to forgive sins and the power to be able to heal. Now, the the first thing that we see as this passage uh, unfolds is the faith of the paralytic's friends. Now, you need to understand paralytics. Now, we, we are more compassionate. We have handicapped parking and, and those blue stickers. And we give the paralytics and persons who are infirm uh, the very best seats. Not so back then. See, that the teachers of the law basically said, you must obey the law. And if you do, God will bless you. Like he's blessed me. But if you disobey the law, you will be cursed by God. And if you're sick, if you are paralyzed, if you are poor, then you are worms in God's sight. You're not holding up the law like I do. Jesus came with a very different message. He said, no, no, no. God loves sinners. He welcomes sinners. He heals lepers. He heals paralytics. The people that are outcast and despised by the teachers of the law, these are God's people and he wants to forgive them, he wants to cleanse them, he wants to heal them, he wants to bless them. He wants to show them mercy and compassion. So Jesus' message was very different from the message of the teachers of the law. Now these four friends, unnamed, they came bringing, a, it says Matt, I think Stretcher would be better co- to communicate to us. The four of them came, and so they come up, and there's this big crowd, overflow crowd. Nobody can get even get in to see Jesus. They're standing in the street, and they try and uh, make way, make way. We we want to get to Jesus so we can heal our friend. Beat it. Who is this guy? He's nobody. He's nothing. He, he's an outcast. He's pathetic. God has cursed him. Get out of here and take your ugly friend with you. Now, the friends were not going to be put off. They knew they had faith in Jesus. If we can get our friend into Jesus' presence, he will be healed. Now, this is this is great faith. So they went up on the roof. Usually it was an outside stair up to the roof. They went up onto the roof, moved away the kind of the adobe, the branches and all that, and then lowered the friend down to where Jesus was, was teaching. And the scripture says, when Jesus saw their faith in this story, we haven't seen any faith by the paralytic yet. But he saw the faith of the friends with the ropes lowering the pallet down. And he began to act. I want to pause there for a minute. This is a great word for intercessors. This is a word of encouragement and hope. For those of you who have prayed long and hard for years, for decades... For friends. You know, who in your life has been one of these friends or intercessors who's prayed for you? When you were lost, when you were in darkness, when you were blind and you did not see or know the love of the Lord. Who are some of those people that prayed you, brought you into the king? It might have been a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, a youth worker, a good friend. Your mother, your grandmother, your grandfather. Give thanks today in your hearts to those people, the friends who brought you to come to know Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen here? They are worth praising the Lord for. And then the second question about being a faithful friend, who do you know in your life who needs Jesus? Who do you know that you can help to bring them into the presence of the Lord, to know his love, to experience his forgiveness, to have their life resurrected again. Who can you be a friend to? Now, the first thing that Jesus said to this man after he saw the faith of friends was, Son, your sins are forgiven. Marvelous. Jesus first, well, wait, let me back up. What the teachers of the law would have expected with this, oh, oh, this man's rate. Right, this is unconventional and everything. We don't know what Simon thought. This was his house. And he would have, hey, who's going to pay for my roof? What are you doing, you know? Uh, homeowner's insurance hadn't been invented yet. And, and the, I think the teachers of law would have expected you to just say, you miserable piece of scum. You God-forsaken sinner. Get him out of here. That would have pleased them very much. And what does Jesus do? Showing his identity as God, one of mercy and compassion, he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Instead of, you leper, you sinner, he calls him family. Son, I am your father. You are my son. He immediately shows him this mercy and compassion. and. Jesus discerned that this man was paralyzed because of unforgiven sin. He was he was so, I, I guess he had an emotional breakdown would be the best term that we would understand. He felt so much guilt for whatever he had done that he literally could not walk. He, he was dead in his bed, if you please. He was so crushed by that guilt, he could not move. Now, you know, the thing about paralysis is, with paralysis, as opposed to amputation, you still have the limb. If if my arm were amputated, it it just wouldn't be there anymore, folks. But when it's paralyzed, I have it. And I can say to my right arm, raise up, go back down, move, left, right. But when I have a paralyzed arm, it's dead meat. My brain says, move, and it doesn't move. Think how frustrating that is to an individual or to this man, his legs. They wouldn't move. I think there might have been times that in frustration, he might have said, You stupid limb! I hate you! I wish you were gone! You're terrible! You don't do me any good! You're no good for nothing! Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but relationships can become paralyzed. They're still there, but they're not working right. They're dysfunctional to one degree or another. In families, paralysis can set in on the relationships. You know, grandma and grandpa may or may not be talking to adult children. Adult children may be talking or having paralysis with uh, their children. Does the word teenager come to mind? The, the, there can be dysfunction in a marriage. It, we're there, we have a mortgage, we we have two cars, a garage, and and we have the same name, but dysfunction, paralysis, can set into a marriage relationship. Paralysis can happen in churches. I'm not talking about Main Street, but there are churches. They have a building, they have a steeple, they have choir, They they have a budget, they do all kinds of busy things. But there's a lot of dysfunction, both within the church and between the church and the Lord. And then finally, in our spiritual relationship with God, paralysis can set in. I'm going from preaching to meddling here, but also the the first place that that usually shows up is is one's prayer or devotional life. You know, you, you love the Lord, you're a Christian, yes, yes, you can pray the Lord's prayer. But sin and discouragement come to us all. And so paralysis can begin to creep in and dysfunction into our relationship with God. What paralyzes people? What paralyzes? I'm going to go through four things rather quickly. First, circumstances. Out, external things can, can paralyze you and me. When I watch the news, oh my gosh, either I get angry or I just have to turn it off. it, it so many things that I don't like seeing happening, and there's almost nothing I can do about it. And, and that can paralyze me. Financial woes or fears can paralyze people. Will I have enough money to retire? Will I have enough money to get to retirement? Will I run out of money before I, I, I live, I die? Great big issues like global warming can, can paralyze us. I'm I'm terribly worried about woke and cancel cultures' influence on our American traditional culture, which I certainly value. I worry about that. It can paralyze me, and then my own health and and uh, life and disease and that, and my friends and and other people that can be paralyzing. That this is a short list. Then the other thing is stuff like, well, will the Dallas Cowboys be able to make the playoffs? You know, it it worries me a lot. Now, what is God's prescription for this? It's keep your eyes focused on him. Don't let these other things become idols, but keep your eyes focused on him. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures and so on. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord. A second thing that can paralyze people is fear of hurtful other people. I mean, there are, there are criminals, there are malicious people, uh, the streets are less safe than they were. There are liars and there are gossips. There are people who will hurt you, have hurt you. And certainly in the past, people who have stabbed you in the back, done terrible. It paralyzes your relationship. I have an older brother that I confess. I'm paralyzed in in that relationship with him. And I need to work this on, on me. The prescription that Jesus has is, keep your eyes on me. When Simon leapt out of the side of the boat and started looking at the wind and the waves, Jesus, he began to sink. The solution is for us to keep our eyes on Jesus. A third thing that can paralyze people is guilt and anxiety. Guilt over sin that I'm either doing now and know I shouldn't be doing or guilt over things that I have done and haven't confessed and received Jesus forgiveness. And we can have anxieties about all kinds of things that, that, that just worry, worry us. Well, God's, God's prescription there is that we have confession and we receive forgiveness. In, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 10, it says, If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. That sounds like a great condition for paralysis, doesn't it? And then I'm jumping back up to verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Confession and receiving his forgiveness. That's, that's really important. Now, the fourth thing that can paralyze us is unforgiveness paralyzes relationships. Jesus did not really, if you look at the Bible, there are very few things that Jesus said, okay, you've got to do this if you want to follow me. The the, the main thing is follow him and obey, seek him and obey. But he didn't say, like, don't eat meat offered to idols, don't drink, don't do this, don't do that. The one thing he did say and emphasized over and over again is you need to forgive. You will be forgiven in the same way that you forgive in the Lord's Prayer. Lord, forgive us our trespasses as... I, we, forgive those who trespass against us. Why did Jesus make this such a big deal? Because he knew that forgiveness is good for the person you're forgiving, but it's even better for you. Unforgiveness is a toxic poison that if we take it into our hearts and we hold it, and I'll never forgive, it kills us. It is unhealthy. It will drain not only our spiritual life, but we will become bitter. And Jesus is saying, you want to be healthy. So just as you ask God to forgive you, in the same way, forgive other people. And then he said something even more dramatic. He said, pray for your enemies. Now, I'm going to tell you, confession, I, I once had a man that I really hated. Um we, we had a, a tenant, and he was a tenant in the commercial uh, space that we, our church happened to own. And this man was a crook. He, he was wicked. He dealt in mortgages and rentals, and he deliberately, he had studied the law, and he knew how to cheat people. He would deliberately, uh, people that were barely able to, to afford rent, he would get them to come in, and then at the minute that they missed his first rent, he would start the eviction process. And, and the way it worked was... If they hadn't made the payment by a certain time, he would have the sheriff's deputies there to take them out on the street. And then he would keep legally all of their possessions, their car, uh, not well, both their car, their clothes, their pots and pans, even the children's dolls. And I saw him do this. And so you had a poor person who not only didn't have a place to live, they had nothing but the clothes on their backs. And and he did this. And he did bad things to the church. Okay, he, I didn't like him. I didn't like him. And, in fact, I grew to hate him. I remember one night I, I woke up and I was plotting ways. Maybe if I put sugar in his gas tank and ruined his car engine, how could I get away? And the Lord stopped me. And he said, Don, what are you doing? Well, he's a bad man. And then the Lord showed me some things about me and how he has forgiven me. I repent, Lord. I repent. I, I'll stop that hatred stuff. But then Jesus said, "I want you to find a way to pray for him." Well, I couldn't pray for his business because it was it was crooked. But I did finally. The Lord showed me I could pray for him in that he had cheated so many people. It would not have surprised a lot of people in our town if he had woke if we had woken up someday and he was found shot dead or stabbed in an alley. Because he, he was borderline mafia. He was awful. And I said, well, Lord, okay, I know you love him. I don't love him, and I don't like him, and I don't want to be around him. But I don't want him to go to hell, the very path that he's making. So I can honestly pray, Jesus, please intervene in some way that this guy won't get his throat cut and go to hell. And I could sincerely pray that. And when I started to, it was amazing. I was whoa. I wasn't expecting it, but it was like this great burden. A curtain was lifted off of me. And I could really pray for his salvation and that he not go to hell. So, this is how Jesus is saying that this is the message. Again, First John 1. This is a message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with God, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Somebody say amen. But that That's a great, great offer to, to be able to walk in the light, to be cleansed, and to have fellowship with one another. Now, to make it personal for you and applicable to you, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to let Jesus, you forgive them, and then Jesus heals you and them? Well, I continue on with the passage. Jesus said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And the teachers of the law in verse 7 said, why does this fellow talk like that?" He's blaspheming who can forgive sins but God alone. Now, actually, these are good questions. They are. In Jewish theology, no one can forgive sins except God, not even the Messiah. And so far in Mark, Jesus has not put forward the the claims of the Messiah. It wasn't revealed to Simon Peter until chapter 7. And so... They're saying, who can forgive sins but God alone? For, Jesus, son, your sins are forgiven. Excuse me, uh, Mr. Rabbi Jesus, you're acting like you're God. Only God can say that. You're acting as though you're God. Now, the teachers of the law asked good questions, but they reached wrong conclusions. They failed to see the fullness of what they were asking. When they said, why does this fellow talk like this? It's because Jesus has the Father's mercy and compassion as opposed to hatred and venom on uh, somebody who is disobedient and not obeying the law. He was showing God's mercy and compassion. He was doing it because Jesus was showing his identity, God's identity, revealing the gospel. That's what this passage is about. Who is this Jesus? And then the second question, who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, if Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven, and they are forgiven, then Jesus is God, standing there in Simon's living room. He is God incarnate if he can do this. He's not blaspheming. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Remember, this encounter is about Jesus' identity. But then it shifts over to authority and power. In verse 9, Jesus, seeing their, knowing their questions, discerning this, and, and seeing in their hearts, they weren't getting it. He said, okay, which is easier to say of these two questions? Your sins are forgiven? Or rise, get up, take your mat, and walk? Now, I would have said if I'd been there, whoa, whoa, Jesus, wait, that, no, oh, that, that's not very good. Your sins are forgiven. It's it's spiritual. It can't really be seen. It's happening. Yeah, it's. Ha- but when you say, get up, take up your mat and walk, whoa. That's visible. That either happens or... You know, that's put up or shut up time. This is where the rubber meets the road. This this is not good, Jesus. You know, take it easy. But in verse 10 and 11, Jesus said, "...but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home." In other words... The gauntlet is thrown down by the the teachers of the law. You're acting like you're God. And Jesus says, all right, I will show you that I have forgiven his sins. I have the authority for that and I have the power to be able to do it. And so he commands him, get up, take up your mat and walk. You see, Jesus had the power to forgive. He wasn't just authorized by the Father. He was the author of forgiveness. Can I get an amen? He was the author. He is the son of God. He is the I am incarnate in human flesh standing here showing mercy and compassion. And that you may know that he has the power to heal, he speaks to the, that, that body, those, those legs that it had not moved. And, and 10,000 volts of divine power went into those legs and instantly they were healed. And the man stood up, took up his mat and walked out of there. It is the same divine power that could open the eyes of the blind, that could open the ears of the deaf, that could heal and cleanse lepers, that could send demons running. This is the power that you may know I have the authority and the power Jesus is revealing. It is this same 10,000 volts that was able, the Father was able to resurrect Jesus' dead body from death on the cross to life everlasting. Somebody say Amen. This was the power that Jesus had. And we can rejoice with it. But now, I want you to consider this. Jesus asked a question. And and whenever Jesus asked a question, it's worth answering. The question was, which is easier to say? You know, the, the one, your sins forgiven, rise, take up your mountain, walk. Well, actually, for Jesus, with the amount of power that he had... To heal a paralytic, that wasn't that big for him. He could have healed five paralytics before breakfast if he wanted to. But for Jesus to be able to say, your sins are forgiven. For Jesus to be able to say, Don, your sins are forgiven. To be able to say to each of us, your sins are forgiven. That required Jesus to suffer the cross, the betrayal by his friends. The desertion by his disciples, the mockery of the leaders, the 39 lashes being nailed to a cross and left to die as a crucified man. Jesus suffered all of that to be able to say, your sins are forgiven. It was far easier to heal the paralytic. What is paralyzed in your life? Let's go from being spectators to an event 2000 years ago to right here. We're all sinners. We're all incomplete. What is paralyzed in your life? In your relationships? In your family? In your spiritual life? What, what is dysfunctional? What needs to be healed? This is not to condemn. This is to say, come to Dr. Jesus. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He wants to heal. What is paralyzed in your walk with him? We need not fear him. If we're wise like little children, we will run to him. And we're going to take a moment to do that in prayer. Let's bow our heads and pray. Listen to the Lord. I'm going to give you 30 seconds, 40 seconds to just listen to the Lord for His guidance, His diagnosis. Or to confess from your own heart. Let your spirit and your soul hear, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I am willing, be clean. Lord, I confess my sin. I receive the power of your forgiveness. Command me to rise, to take my mat, and to walk with you in a renewed vitality. To you be the honor and glory now and forever. And all God's children said, Amen. There's one.